Would you ever consider being on Real Housewives of New York? No. <laughs> no. But you like watching it. I love watching it. I love watching all of that. Hi, I'm Ariel Charnas, and this is In House, my podcast about all the happenings in my life. Whether it's fashion, entrepreneurship, marriage, or mom life, you'll hear it all right here on In House. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of In House with me, Ariel Charnas. We're starting a new series where we welcome my family and closest friends for a few fun Q&A episodes. From fashion, parenting, marriage, to something Navy, we'll be here to continue to answer your questions. So thank you to all who submitted questions via my Instagram sticker. First up, I'm happy to welcome back a fan favorite, Carrie, to the show, my mother. I'm excited to see what questions you've submitted and may even add my own along the way. So without any further ado... Let's get started. Are you ready, mom? Ready. Okay. First question, mom. How do you cook such yummy food and stay so petite? I'm going to say that it's about portion, portion control. And it's not even control because I don't really have to control, but I rarely, you know, finish my entire plate. And of course, as you know, you know, and I also love to work out. So it's like a balance. Right. What's your daily routine? We all want to know how we can be like you. Huh. Well, I love absolutely when I'm in a routine. And it's I, I absolutely function best that way. And my favorite ideal routine would be working out in the morning. I'm definitely a morning person. So if I could be at a class or in a gym by 8 in the morning... Um, I could do that for a couple of hours. And after that, I would start my day like at noon. And just to give you an idea, before I work out, I always have a small breakfast, whether it be a small bowl of cereal or I can't even say fruit because I know everybody sees that I put fruit out every morning, but that's only for my husband. I wish I ate as healthy as he did. <laughs> but so then I have, then I go to work out and after my workout usually is late morning. And that's when I have like a major breakfast of like my eggs or my toast and bagels or really whatever I want, because I have already worked out and, you know, I've done that, you know, work on my body. And then I go and have my brunch lunch and I usually skip my lunch and I prefer to have, um, an early, early dinner. You know, that would be my ideal way of doing it. This isn't a question. I just thought it was nice to share with you. Your daily routines and photos are so uplifting and joyful. I just want to thank you. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. What time do you go to bed and wake up? Okay. I honestly, I, during the week, I could be asleep before nine o'clock. In my, you know, even if I go out to dinner at seven o'clock, you're always asleep by nine o'clock. I you could don't be, go out to dinner. I'll be asleep by nine o'clock. Even when I do go out for dinner, if it's like a seven o'clock dinner, because I don't, you know, I go home and I'm yeah. asleep and I, I'm up by six. Yeah. I'm up at six just about every morning, no matter even if I stay up late. I feel like I got that from you. I'm definitely a morning person and dad is a night person. It's fun. It's just yeah. the way it is. That's how it works. Would you ever consider being on Real Housewives of New York? No. <laughs> no but you like watching it i love watching it i love watching all of that if you weren't a stay-at-home mother what career would you would have interested you i like i was a writer 
I liked, mm-hmm. I liked writing. I liked the creative field. I liked the creative process. I, I you know, I studied writing for, you know, many years and, um, that's probably something I would, I, I'm almost, you know, sorry that I did not continue that on the side, mm-hmm. you know, while I was raising my children. But, um, yeah. I think that's what I would have st- stayed with. Raising kids who have everything, how do you ensure humility and kindness? That's a really good question, you know, because that is something when you have the advantage of being able to do for your children and, you know, offer them all of these golden opportunities, it's very important for them to stay humble, to stay close to understanding what's really important and what's what really matters and to understand what what gifts all of these extras are and that not everybody you know gets to have these extravagances but just to also know that at the core of it you know you are happy with your basic knowledge of who you are and what you have and you always remember and don't lose sight of what's really important it's a good answer. How do you balance seeing and helping all of your grandkids? It is a balance and it's um it's just it just comes it's kind of innate, you know, it's like your children if you feel like that, you know, you haven't seen one of your grandchildren, it's like in like uh, it's it's a yearning that comes from inside that, you know, like, wow, you know, it's almost like medicine. I need a dose of this one and I need a dose of that one. And you just try your best. But, you know, in life, different situations arise where, you know, you happen to have opportunities to be more with some of your grandchildren than others. And I just try and make the most out of every step I have with each and every one of them. What's the secret for close, strong relationships with kids? Good question. You know, I guess it's communication. It's really all going to come down to communication. And with your kids, communication, it, it's not always easy and it's not always pleasant, but it's always necessary for whatever is going on. It's just important to communicate what's happening. How do you? draw boundaries with your daughters? When do you know when to give advice and versus when to not give advice? That's a, that's a very, that's a very, really draw boundaries. That's a very tricky question because, you know, as a, as a mother, you also know that there's something inside of you, or I don't know if this is really just me, but it's like, if it doesn't come from me, who will it come from? Nobody. A mother has like that special, I don't know if it's a power because it doesn't always, you know, work to your benefit. But sometimes if something's going on with one of your daughters or one of your kids, I mean, who's closer to you than they are? And who would be better able to, you know, present a message or to share advice with your daughter, even if, you know, They may take it the wrong way. It doesn't matter. As a mother, I always felt that that was like a given right of mine, that no matter how they were going to take it, I had to say it. Sometimes, you know, they could resent it, but somehow that seed is always there. And I would feel better knowing that I put that seed there. What they wanted to do with it would be their choice. 
sometimes it might take years, but I sort of trust that whatever I put out there, they're going to know that it was there only for their good and for their benefit. And I can only hope that one day down road or whatever that situation may have been, they're going to say, oh, yeah, I get it. There's a saying that you want your kids to be better than you. How is this true for Danielle, Ariel, and Michaela? Oh, in every way, shape, or form. Each one of my daughters is so, so much better than me. And I can't even say a better version of me because they're each, you're each so different in your own, you know, specific rights, but you're, each of you are just so on every, on every level, it would be better than me. You're, you know, kinder, you're more, you know, generous, you are more, you know, thoughtful, you're just all of those things that you are all more than I ever was before. I put like, just all of it into you, but of the things that I thought were wonderful qualities. And I mean, the, the talent, the creativity, the, you know, just the go getness, the just the individuality that each of you celebrate. And most importantly, I would just have to say is just the what you have for yourself that each of you, I really believe, are just so comfortable in your own skin. And I really think that that more than anything allows you that freedom to just soar. Just to believe that you could be or do anything that your heart Mm -hmm. wants. How did you choose your daughter's names? Please explain why for all three of them. Well, Danielle was very easy. Well, it was easy because I had, it was the the only daughter that I was going to um, name after somebody that I had lost and loved and lived a long, incredible, strong life. And that was my grandmother. And her name was Dina. So I knew I wanted the D and I really, and I, of course I was sure as I was with all three pregnancies that I was having a boy and I've said it before, but so I was definitely going to give birth to my first son and name him Dean. And if it was a girl, I guess I hadn't really thought of it, but I guess it would be Dina or Dana. And that was just in my mind. They were new names to me. I, you know, I hadn't really heard them before and Honestly, the second that they laid her on my chest and she had those almond-shaped black eyes, she was something so exotic about her. I just looked at her, never having thought of the name before, and I was just said, she's Danielle. And that name Where, just... You're saying it's so weird. That's it, how it, you say I, it. But I did say it like that. It was like... Danielle. Exo- Danielle. It was like exotic. It was gorgeous. It was just everything that she looked like at that moment. And Maya was a Hebrew name that we just loved and wanted to bring in. And because Daniela is a Hebrew name, I didn't want, so she became Danielle Maya. So that was amazing. Then when you were, so we wanted to kind of carry the same thing through, you know, with all three, with all of my children. So, you know, I was thinking, we're going to have the second child. I can't say, Danielle, Susan, it didn't go together. Danielle, you know, it was like, Susan? <laughs> of all the names that you're going to call them through the house. Well, you're thinking, 
Danielle, Lori, like it had to like be in the same Lori, these are like your generation names. I know. So I, I knew I had to think of like different names. And I think at about that time was The Little Mermaid. And I just, you know, loved the name Ariel. And I loved the name Noah. And Noah was like just so different. And I just thought it was just the coolest name. And I was going to name you Noah Ariel until you were born. They laid me on your chest, on my chest. And I looked at that face and I said, she is just so sweet and so pretty. I can't give her Noah that could be a boy's name here. You know, in America, it's a boy's name. I couldn't name you Noah. You were too sweet and petite like for that. And I was like, no, it's Ari. Funny, the way you're describing me reminds me of Esme. Yeah, in many ways. felt about Esme. In many ways, you look at this baby and you see the face and you weren't going to be a Noah Ariel, you'd be Ariel Noah. And And that was just, and I just loved it. And then when we were blessed with our third, it was, um, I named you and Danielle. And when we had Michaela, dad really loved the name Michaela. It was a Hebrew name. She was this amazing uh, Israeli model. And I said to dad, this one, you could name her. So he got the first name and I got the middle name. And That's she be- what happens with the third one. You're like, just go nuts on the third Okay. Okay. You want to name a kid? Go for it. <laughs> Go ahead. And I happen to, of course, love the name. And then I got to name her Michaela and I love the name Dylan. So Michaela Dylan. So I couldn't be happier with all of my girls' names. They suit you. They just were you. We all love our names. We just all wish our middle names were our first names. I know. Isn't that funny? I know. But, but I don't know if you felt that way all the time. No. When I was younger, I didn't. You know, you love being Ariel. Which daughter takes after you most in the kitchen? Oh, in the kitchen? Well, <laughs> well, it, well it's very funny because- We all I, like in moments. Exactly. I was going to say, I know that all three of you are very talented in the kitchen. And I know that all of you are very capable. And right now, it seems all three of you are not at that time. <laughs> I have I have moments. I feel yes. like we all have moments. And when we are in that like that moment, we're very much like my mom. I think I think so. I think that, you know, the cooking, the art of cooking, that that gift, that joy really has to have like a setting. And you really have to have the time and the mindset. And it's, you know, and you have to be in that space. And right now, I think that the three of you with all of your families and your career, like, it's just, you know, sorry for the pun, but on the back burner. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Funniest drunk story. Well, that's going to be easy because I really only have one real drunk story. St. Bart's? Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's re- to a nightclub, guys. And well, actually, was... it wasn't a nightclub. But it wasn't a nightclub. It was a nightclub. Was yes, it? it was. I thought it was a dinner. No. Oh. No. It was a nightclub <laughs> I... at a table and you poured a full glass of vodka. And I don't know if you thought there was something mixed with it, but you drank the whole thing and then 
then we all caught you and Michaela peeing in the bathroom with the door open. No, we saw someone else peeing. Oh, and no, then we no. like fell over laughing. But yeah. just just to you know, just to explain my side, you know, like if you ever go to those clubs, like on a beach, and they put a table in front of you, and there's a carafe of cranberry juice and orange juice, and then there's a whole thing of vodka with ice. So sitting outside, the ice kept on melting. So instead of refilling the vodka with the juices, I kept on adding a little vodka to the juice without realizing how much vodka I guess I And I remember how sick you were the next day. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. That's why it only happened once. But we really had fun. That was fun. It was really fun with all three of my daughters to be there. They were like, you know, getting a kick out of me to be like, I just felt I was safe. I was. You were, it, you were our friend, not it, our mother. It, yeah. At, at that time. <laughs> that was it, our drunk friend. We it, brought it, out with us. At that time, <laughs> it really was. And it was so much fun. I mean, it was a once in a lifetime experience. So there you go. I mean, I, it was so, I had so much fun, but we never did it again. Describe your relationship with each of your son-in-laws. Hmm. Well, okay. So my first son-in-law, Brandon, really just, I mean, is incredible. He's really just taught me the way to just let him take over and be that person for my daughter to sort of like give up the trains and give it to someone else and know that he's got it you know, like, and that, that's okay. So I think that's important for me as a mother to and not just you, Danielle, too. I feel like yes, uh, <laughs> I was always like the yes. child that like, I always had my mom, my dad, my sisters, like they like did everything for me. Like they took care of me. Like I was like, I was always like the little, I don't even know how you describe it. You were just, you know, we just always had. I was quiet and more like they always did everything for me. So I think Brandon coming in with that similar personality to like, you know, I think that was. It was, it was very tough because we've had a lifetime of taking care of you and you probably loved that more than your sisters, more than anyone. You just loved having that. So that was, you know, that was an important, wonderful mm-hmm. gift that my son-in-law, you know, Brandon, you know, allowed me and my husband to be able to step back a little bit and just let that be. And thank God he's doing an amazing job, <laughs> you know, and that's just gives, you know, as a mother, I mean, what, you know, as a parent, what more could you hope for for your daughter? My second son-in-law was, you know, is Brett and Brett is um, probably more of my son than my other boys. Not that I can't, I would never say that I, you know, would feel, you know, more for one than the other because I would never been around say that. But Brett's just been in my home since like high school since he's like, you know, a kid, he really, I really had the privilege of having him under my roof with my daughter, watching him grow. And he was always that incredible kid to me. Like, I just always trusted him. I always took him in. I just always, 
I just always had a great feeling about Brett from day mm-hmm. one. I just knew that I didn't know that he would be my son-in-law. I didn't know right. that we would have this life together. But you had your own relationship. I always, him. yeah, I just always just, there's something about him and none of the other boys were allowed in my house in my daughter's room, always with the door open. But <laughs> there was just something about him that was just, you know, trusted. I just trusted from day one. And again, he hasn't let me down. He's been mm-hmm. every everything and more that I could ever want. And then there's Michael, who Michael came in, you know, like with Danielle is like her just best friend. And I really didn't have a chance to get to know Michael separately, you know, on my, you know, on my own. But by Danielle was so close with me and shared so much with me that I got to just love him as like her best friend because he was just so good for her that it just filled my heart up. And, and when you share the same birthday. And it was like crazy that we just had so much in common. Is that like insane that it's so weird that my son-in-law and I have the same birthday. I mean, I think we're exactly like 30 years apart from each other, like the same. And we were just, I mean, it's so weird how me and Danielle married each other. I married a Cancer and she married a Gemini. Exactly. I mean, that can't be coincidence. It can't be. I don't so. You know, and again, Michael is just, Michael and Danielle are like, just they're like one as one. And it's just, that's just fills me to no end. And what Mm -hmm. they've created, you know, being together again, just as a parent, just fills your heart. There's nothing more that you want to see. And again, he's just um, only, you know, filled my heart more and more as time goes on with the amazing, you know, partner, husband, and now dad. It's um, a blessing. And I do not take these blessings for granted for a minute. Are there any plans for a cookbook in the future? Yes. Yes. I would really like to do that. I'd like to incorporate my three eBooks and I have so many more new recipes and I'd like to incorporate them all into one book. You really should. I know it's, it's a dream. Do you ever need breaks from watching your grandkids? Yes. (laughs) I know. Yes. Um, it's the best time of my life. Literally figure it is just the best time is being with these kids, but they are, it can be exhausting and you want to be there and be on for them and they're physical. And I want to do all of that with them. I want to carry them. I want them to run and I want to swing with them. I want to do all of those things. But I, um, for the first time in my life, I have to admit I get tired. Can't believe it. What's Carrie's favorite movie and actor and why? Well, I mean, my girls will know this, but I guess my favorite actor is Diane Keaton mm-hmm. and any Nora Ephron movie, anything, you know, I just love feel good, romantic, nice, light. And I just love everything she plays in. How do you feel having daughters who are influencers? I love it. 
Do you like people coming up to you? I do. I do. And I never knew that I would. It's very funny because this is such a new, fantastic, fun world that they've gotten me into. I had no idea that I would enjoy this. I thought this would be exactly what I would never want to be a part of. And now when people come up to me, I'm like, oh, you know me. It (laughs) it just makes me so happy. Do you think parents today have a disadvantage with the world we live in versus the 80s and 90s? I do. I really do. I think because of social media, I think it just, um, I think it puts kids at a big disadvantage. I I just think that kids should be kids a lot longer than they get to. Yeah. And social media kind of shows them too much of what's out there before they really need to. How did you deal with an empty nest when all your kids were out of the house? It's not an easy time. I I can't sugarcoat it and say that, you know, especially, um, again, you know, that, that taps into some maybe deep-rooted issues with, you know, being left or being, you know, alone or having, you know, that full house and then having it, you know, empty. It was um, a very big adjustment. But again, um, I tried to keep sight um, on what was really happening and how wonderful this time really was and how lucky we are that the girls were going out and going to, you know, university and going out to start their own life. I mean, that really is the goal. So sometimes you have to like stop for a second and remember that is really the hope. Right. So you don't want to make that harder. You want to control. Uh, For me, I had my own personal private struggle with that, but that was me. And I made sure not to let my daughters know that because that could not help them. What is your advice on long-lasting marriage, on a long-lasting marriage? Be nice to each other. It's so basic. Like everything else, it's so simple. Don't make it so complicated. It's so basic. And it's just basic consideration, respect. You treat your spouse the same way that you would want to be treated, the same way that you treat the people in, you know, that you are having your life. You treat everyone with kindness and respect. And that, I think, ensures a, a long-lasting relationship. If you were to have a dinner party, who are the five people you would have there, aside from your family, dead or alive, who are the five people you want to cook for? That's a lot of people. Um, okay, my grandmother for sure, because she was without a doubt my uh, most you know loving influence in my entire life, and I would love to have her there. And she's was the most special, so for sure. I always say Joan Rivers, because you have to have a good time. You know, I, I would probably go for those like more you know comedians and fun people or. Maya Rudolph, I would love Gilda Radner, I would love fun people, not necessarily, you know, foodies, I will, you know, like, I love, I, okay, Martha Stewart, just to show her another side, (laughs) just to see, and maybe um, her friend, um, Puff. Oh, my God, I'm dying. 
then it would be a perfect fun night. There, there are so many more questions for you, but we have to wrap it up. So we might have to do another one, Mom. You know where I am. Thank you for joining me. And thank you to all the listeners out there. You could reach out to us with any questions about the podcast or who you want us to bring on next. Just DM us on Instagram at Something Navy, and we will see you next week. Bye. That's a wrap for today's episode of In-House. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more thoughtful discussions and amazing guests. Make sure you follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And of course, follow me at Ariel Charnis and at Something Navy. See you next week.